This is the Diamonds and Dingers podcast. I'm your host, Dimitri Napoin. Let's get started. Welcome to the Diamonds and Dingers podcast, hosted by Muncie's best baseball analysts. I am your host, Dimitri Napoin. Today I am joined by Seth Rawlings and Sam Thillman. How is it going, guys? Oh, it's going great. Um, I mean, we're entering, we're going to have some baseball and we're going back to school, hopefully, or soon. Going excellent. Going excellent. Going above and beyond. Sports are coming back. Yeah, that's all I have to say. It, it's hard to fathom that we're going to actually get sports soon and uh, real sports, like I like to call it. Um, and hopefully, I don't make too you're many. To trigger some fans. Yeah, you're triggering NASCAR fans out here. <laughs> Those NASCAR fans. Whoops, sorry. Uh, well, it's okay. We're not from the deep south, so it's okay to say that. Um, we do have a lot to get through today. Uh, we we have kind of held off on doing podcasts because, as of right, we were trying to accumulate as much content as possible before we came out with something, and. Well, content we definitely have a lot of. And without further ado, let's talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, the Toronto Blue Jays are still homeless. And after the Canadian government refused to allow the Toronto Blue Jays to play their home games in the Rogers Centre, they found themselves evicted and searching for a new home. After an extensive search that featured the likes of Camden Yards, uh, their spring training facility in Dunedin, Florida, and their AAA affiliate in Buffalo, they have yet to find a home to reside in. It was previously believed that they would play in the Pittsburgh's PNC Park, but those hopes are officially dashed. The Pennsylvania Department of Health announced this past afternoon that they will not allow the Canadian Ball Club to use the city's baseball facilities. One of the main reasons behind this, a large uptick in COVID-19 cases. Dr. Levine Pennsylvania Secretary of Health said in a quote to KDK Channel 2, quote, to add travelers to this region for any reason, including for professional sports events, risks residents, visitors, and members of both teams. We know this virus does not discriminate and can even make professional athletes very sick. We are committed to protecting the health and well-being of Pennsylvanians, end quote. So, guys, I got to ask where on earth are the Blue Jays going to go? I'll, I'll give you one place that I think they should play. Victory Field in Indianapolis, Indiana. Let's bring him here. We don't have a Major League Baseball club. We're not having minor leagues this year. What's a better place than Victory Field? You know, I, that's better than my answer. I thought they'd go to Buffalo. But now after hearing this man like talk, I think Victory Field's a move. Um, i just like to point out, Dimitri, that was a very good monologue you gave there. And, um, and like, you're just getting better at this every week. Um, and, um, yeah, that's basically, I think Indianapolis is probably the best place, even though they're probably going to be in Buffalo. Yeah. I, I think the normal issue is that they had issues with maybe sitting as fans or something, but obviously we're not going to have fans. So from that aspect, why does it matter? You know? So I think the major issue is setting it up. I think that's what I saw from the previous articles on why they didn't want to go to Buffalo. But honestly, I don't see the, I don't see why Buffalo wouldn't work. It's right there. You know, they're right next to Toronto. 
there's just no reason to not try that out or just at least try to make an effort to accommodate these guys. Yeah, I mean, if we're speaking rationally, I think Buffalo is probably where they're going to be. It's right across the border. Um, New York has done a good job at flattening the curve in the state, especially in the Buffalo region. And I mean, it probably makes the most sense. They um, they really just need somewhere to play. I mean, there's no real need for fans. It's not fans aren't going to exist this year, except for maybe on some Zoom calls. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's probably going to be the way forward. I think they just didn't want to play in a minor league stadium, even though, I mean, everybody's going to have no fans. And if a baseball stadium's there, you should probably be able to play in it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, realistically, outside of the victory field comment I had, it's probably going to be Buffalo. Makes the most sense, as you guys said. And maybe they'll do what the what, – what, what baseball club had, like, the pictures of the fans? Was it? Uh, Oakland Athletics, I believe. There you go. Or you could be like the Korean Baseball League and have the stuffed animals in the background. That's I think that – Or the robots. <laughs> yeah. The robots. Oh my goodness. It, it's a strange, it's very strange. And 2020 just keeps getting wackier and wackier because all of a sudden now we have a homeless baseball team, a, a homeless MLB team. I, it's just hard to wrap your mind around that, you know? And I think they'll be fine. I'm not too worried. Maybe they're going to do a travel ball approach where they just are play away the whole season. Who knows? Uh, another news, Mookie Betts, he got paid today. He made uh, money. He chased the bag and he acquired it. <laughs> he now that's conflicting reports on how much he's making, whatever. But I'm going to go with ESPN because I'll trust ESPN here. It's probably I'm going to come. It's probably going to bite me in the butt. But uh, trusting ESPN, but the, he was signed in for a 13 year. $380 million contract extension. Sam, you mentioned earlier that that's roughly $30 million a year. Was it worth it? Yeah, I mean, who are we talking? Which side are we talking? Because <laughs> if it's Mookie, why wouldn't you sign a 13-year, $380 million extension? Yeah, and this doesn't cover this year, so he's going to get paid the basically full rate. Um, and baseball, he didn't sign for a salary cap. He's getting the $380 million. It's guaranteed. It's not like the Patrick Mahomes where he signs for half a billion, but he's not getting it because it's not guaranteed exactly. And it always makes sense for the player to take these deals. And I, I think it's probably good for the the Dodgers um, unless, you know, Mookie gets hurt or probably about year eight or nine. It's how these baseball contracts, whenever they start to look pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the Dodgers have to be careful because they don't they don't even have to leave their own city to know how dangerous giving these ginormous contracts are. The Angels have ma- are not- have made notoriously bad mega deals. You talk about uh Josh Hamilton, you talk about Albert Pujols, um and amongst other guys. Hopefully Mike Trout works out for them. I know he's the greatest player of our generation, but you know, it's always a big gamble, but the Dodgers seem to be the team that always make the right decisions from a business aspect. And I think that both sides are going to enjoy it. It it throws out the window of Mookie Betts rumor mills of where he might go. It also throws out the conspiracies we were throwing out there earlier in our podcast about maybe Mookie Betts never actually plays a single season in a Dodgers uniform and how the Red Sox basically 
fleeced them. But now the Red Sox kind of look like fools. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that deal was awful. They're out here getting a prospect and a little player for Mookie, like the one of the top five players in the game. But I, th- I think the only thing that scares me is you look at his age. He's already 27, so you tack on 12 years. That's going to be basically his his when the peak of his career, six, seven. He's going to be entering his mid to late 30s. That's a big gamble to keep a guy who's in his 30s for $30 million a year. Yeah, yeah. Most, the majority of his contract is going to be when he's on his decline. That's a problem. That's, that's a problem. I think that's the big, that's always been the big thing in baseball contracts that I have never really been a fan of. Like when the Angels paid Albert Pujols, I think he was 28. And um, that deal just is is now entering expiration here soon. But you know what happened to Pujols whenever he couldn't even run the first base after the last, the last like three years or so. So, I mean, there's that. And there's just so many examples of this deal, of these deals working out poorly for the clubs at the end. But if they win a World Series in the beginning, I don't think they really care. Yeah, um, it's obviously and I, I, the the strategy is to lock down a guy who's a, obviously a cornerstone player, a franchise guy, and someone who's going to be a, a consistent leader for many years to come. And and let's be honest, Mookie Betts is is a very athletic player. You know, it's not the same guy as he's not the same player as Albert Pujols is. Or was when he was in his prime. Pujols in his prime was a power hitter, right? And we have seen historically that power hitters decline faster. But Mookie Betts is more of an all-around athlete. He can give you solid defense and great, uh, great offense. He's more of an all-around player than opposed to Albert Pujols. Yeah, and another thing I'd like to add for the contract is the the Dodgers are playing at a different level than a lot of teams here. Like they. They have a like very deep pocketbooks. They have almost unlimited resources to give. Like they're not going to be. It's not going to be a situation where I don't think the Dodgers are going to be hurting financially because of this deal, which is a big advantage of being a big market in baseball. Oh, they're not going to be hurting by any means. Like, why did Kansas City do the Patrick Mahomes deal? Like, they're not going to be. None of these franchises signing these people are going to be hurting anytime soon. And it's great for the Dodgers to block up one of their kind of franchise guys moving forward to know he's not going to be leaving anytime soon, that maybe he gets hurt. And then four or five years down the road, you can revisit the the aspect of trading him. But for now, he's your cornerstone guy. You're locking him down for the future. Another thing to note, one last thing before we move on to uh, recent transactions and releases is the fact that uh, – Baseball doesn't have the same doesn't operate the same way from a business aspect than any other sport does. There's no salary cap, there's no salary floor, so the teams can spend as much as they want. And you can see that the Dodgers are definitely one of the wealthiest teams, if not the wealthiest team in Major League Baseball. Then they're, they're not going to cry anytime soon. <laughs> you know, they're not going to they have money coming out of their ears. Okay, they'll 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 be fine. They won't. They'll get they'll get sleep at night. Um, in fact, I just want to point out that uh, Mookie Betts will be just for one year. It will be making just about forty to forty five percent of the entire Pittsburgh Pirates, their entire team. So let that sink in. 
Yeah, it tells you how uneven of a playing field um, baseball has basically been running on for the last ever. It's just yeah. ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. It's unacceptable, and and no one wants to be accountable for it. <laughs> no, I mean the players make the players want it. They make them. That's how you make the money, man. Like, and plus it forces it forces the small market teams when they have a Mookie to sign them, like the Joey Votto deal, like the Reds signed, and it forces you to match them. I mean, it's good for the players. It's not the greatest. Yeah. The world for organizations. But I mean, the Dodgers aren't hurting either. Their value is what, two and a half to three billion dollars. They're going to be fine. This only increases fan interest in, in the team. So, I mean, it's a win win for both sides. It's, a, it's just painful to watch as a fan of a small market team. And and you know what? <laughs> Seth, you should be taking my side. You're a Cincinnati Reds fan. We're on the same page here. Oh, I, I am on the same page. I just, I mean, I, I don't, I'm never like going to be mad at a player getting his like it's no, it, no absolutely not yeah but it is pretty bad to be a reds fan even though we, we signed we signed a couple guys this year like, I'm a little bit of money here like I'm, I'm, you guys are experiencing something that as a pirates no, fan i will never experience we're not a poverty franchise anymore you you're, you're thriving you guys actually made smart i can't relate you guys actually develop right you guys made right trades and signed the right free agents. I have no idea what that's like. I know. We're not a poverty franchise. It feels great. Dimitri, yeah. all you've got to do is get a billion dollars, buy the Pirates, and turn them into a big franchise. We still need that's to buy the Mets. I think that's also true. That's the move. So uh, those of you guys listening out there, it, let's pull all our money together and buy an MLB franchise. I, I don't see that. I don't think that's too much to ask. Not like everybody put like five bucks in. I think we should make it. You know, after you, you know, you go to your nine to five. You know, on the weekend, you take your your loose change. uh, After you go to Taco Bell, and you just pull your money in. You you got. We can do that, or we can create the XLB that Sam was. I I want the XLB all day long. (laughs) We could turn the Mets into an XLB team. Oh yes, and like we could basically use all the rules for XLB, and we just. Play, play players how Sam wants them to play. Like oh. our, our players, like there's no steroid oversight. Like the league's not coming in. Grant said we have a, okay. We have a lot, yeah. We have a lot of listeners actually commenting on our video right now. And actually, my neighbor is message that they will buy them. They will help. And Grant Kobe himself, uh, you know, quite quite a legend in his own right. Uh, you know. With his own podcast, we will contribute. I, we have a whole board of directors here, guys. I'll match that donation. <laughs> hey, I'll double it. Twenty dollars. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better. Twenty-five. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. It's a little rich. All right. I, I might have to work for it, but we're All gonna move on. Cool. Yeah. Uh, this was a very strange year, obviously, but and it also has. A different, a different aspect to transactions, because unlike previous years, you used to have that same monotony about the rough amount of people getting cut and picked up throughout the year, the off season. But it's different because uh, everybody is worried about having enough roster spaces for a different, you know, season. And what you got to talk about the taxi squad and all those other things. So all of a sudden. We're seeing a huge amount of cuts, and here are the unfortunate 
people who have been cut. I feel like this is Hunger the Hunger Games, but at the end they announce that there's tributes dying. died. They're but they're, dying, but <laughs> no, <laughs> all right. I'm gonna go down the line, but we're gonna talk about each one in more in depth in a second. Here we have Derek Dietrich, Josh Harrison, Francisco Liriano, Matt Adams, who now signed with the Braves, Julius Chashin signed with the Braves, Hector Santiago is gone, Jake McGee signed with the Dodgers, Scott Shebler gone, Ryan Goins, Brian Shaw signed with the Rockies. Uh, Logan Forsythe, gone. Fernando Abad, gone. Melky Cabrera, gone. Gordon Beckham, gone. And our fan favorite and the most iconic member of the podcast, <laughs> our boy, Yasiel Puig, back on this clownery again. Managed to get signed, but then promptly got cut because he contracted COVID. Now, if that isn't bogus, I don't know what is. But, I said it's the most on-brand thing for this podcast. He would definitely get signed to get cut because he's just he just wants to play Dimitri. Like he really wants to take <laughs> he wants to face Dimitri in his summer league. I think that's exactly what's going on here. But I mean, is it the worst time to get released? Obviously, you never want to get released if you're a professional. But is it the worst time to get released? So, say you're a solid guy who's bound to get signed again. Is it necessarily the worst time to get released? It's a terrible time. Yeah, I think it'd be a bad time. Uh, a lot of a lot of um, teams will will like act like they have their roster is better than what they actually is. So they won't like even though Pleads Pleads is definitely an above average outfielder. Mm-hmm. He should be on a roster, and um, a bunch of like low level teams just won't sign him, and they probably should if they wanted to win. But they're not here to win. And, I was I was gonna say I'm not saying like like they that he I'm saying what if like you don't get signed this year you wait till that you get the COVID situation figured out and then you go back in and get signed by a team that's what I meant by that so like so like playing with the risk of COVID you get released and then potentially you just wait till next year to play again. That's I see what. Yeah, I mean, that could be... We don't really know exactly what COVID... We don't know much about COVID still to this day, so it's not really a thing we can really judge. Maybe some players would be better and he can have a new beginning at a, a new franchise again. I think that I, I just... It, mine, it just boggles my mind because he is clearly a dynamic player. He He is clearly a guy who should be starting for almost every team in the Major League Baseball. And yet we can't no, he can't fall with anybody. And you mentioned that there's guys, there's there's teams out there that are so dedicated to being bad this season that they refuse to sign someone who could definitely help their team. I'm talking about you, Pirates. I'm talking about you, Baltimore. I'm talking about you, Miami. <laughs> I'll go down the list. And it's just it's unacceptable, this mindset. And uh, it's just it's a disease that the MLB has faced, and they refuse to get uh, any kind of antidote for that. Which, it's just, it, but it's not just with MLB. You, uh, tanking is everywhere. It's it's not just a MLB solely thing. So it's not like if if they could figure it out, every league could figure it out. But I mean, it just happens. It's just it, it's. I feel like tanking is more extreme in baseball because you have more teams that are intentionally trying to do it because you look at, you look at in the NFL, you have bottom feeder teams like Miami dolphins. They go out and sign players in the off season. They go make trades. 
Um, you look at, uh, you know, the Redskins even went out and tried to do something. The Washington. Well, they're not going to. They're they're the Washington <laughs> blank now, but they they don't have they're Washington NA, but. It's just, it, but it, it's particularly bad in 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 MLB. Yeah, and I, I will. Yeah, I can I concur with um, Dimitri. I think it's baseball since they have um, they hide behind the farm systems. Even though a lot of these guys in the farm system like really are not, they're not like up to caliber for the MLB baseball. But teams like to teams will throw them out there instead of signing somebody like a Puig or a Josh Harrison or something, somebody like that who could probably make a roster and like teams when they just want to like at least half of teams are actually trying to lose after like this first month. But yeah, I mean, I mean, that's definitely true, but I mean, look on the bright side, more ball state people get drafted. So, I mean, you, you take your losses and your wins. Big I brains. Mean. Big brain time. <laughs> Yeah, so we got a new comment about you know the neighbors, and they they are Red Sox fans. Uh, I'm gonna say you know they are in the American League. They want an NL team to uh, cheer for now. Oh. Seth, <laughs> I, I give you, give me a minute to give the pitch. I, I I I will say if based on how the Re- the Red Sox are this season, taking all those previous seasons away. I consider them a middle of the pack team, an upper middle pack team. Uh, so I would say in the National League, I'd go be a Mets fan. Uh, I think that's like the quickest thing I could think of because they're clearly not going to be a front runner in their own division, but they're not a bad team by any means. So like, yeah, be a, be a Mets fan or a Braves fan. I could, but I feel like the Braves would be too good. Who knows? Yep. Or Minnesota Twins. That's an AL team. Give me um, give me a minute for the pitch here. So I'm I'm, I'm wearing the shirt. Um, we oh, imagine, don't don't listen. He's pitching Reds. Imagine Please, a team that has three aces. Imagine a team that has a really young and up and coming roster full of excitement and not a lot of defense, but we're out here scoring runs. This team plays in Cincinnati, and they have half of the Red Sox name. Like you can. Like it's really simple. Like if you live near Dimitri, you're about a four hour drive, Cincinnati, about four or five hours. Like you can go check out a ball game. Not maybe if you want to be a fan for life. Like we can we can always come down and see it together. I I just want to know. The Reds are the team for you. The Red Sox might be going through some stuff right now with the Mookie Bets. But the Reds, we're on the up and up. We're actually we're not a poverty franchise anymore. We're signing guys. I I I'm going to differ in the fact this will be the only time I pick Demetrius team, the Pirates. And I'll, I'll give you why. Because the Red Sox have had success in the past few years. They know, they know what winning feels like. They need to know what losing feels like. So go sign up, be a fan of the Pirates, and experience losing. Yeah, that's my pitch. I, I'm so I'm as a Pirates fan. I am so accustomed to that that it's like it's like how people in Arizona are just used to the heat. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. used to being bad. Oh, like so, I, like except so you feel like you're in. You don't feel like this. This is almost like reality for you. No, this isn't real. Like this, like I I'm getting too excited. I guarantee we're gonna go like twenty and forty. <laughs> 
<laughs> all your Mustakis gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, Shogo decides to be a, com- a complete bust. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm predicting that right now. Speaking of the Reds, uh, there you guys released a guy. You're, I'm not going to wait route. You think I'm going. Um, I'm going to pull a little uh, U-turn here. And I think that Scott Shebler was an interesting guy that they released because I feel like he's has the talent and quality. Also, I want to throw this out there. Uh, why you should cheer for the Pirates. Here you go. I'm just going to have this in front of me the rest of the time. So maybe to convince people to, to cheer for the Pirates. And anyway, uh, <laughs> now I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like Shebler has the tool set to go on to a different team, right? And succeed. And I think... I'm not even trying to say this because I'm a Pirates fan, but based on what is going on, uh, he's a perfect fit with Pittsburgh because Polanco went went down because of COVID. Um, they lost a bunch of depth, uh, and it's just it's a logical conclusion. Yeah, he he definitely fits a need in Pittsburgh. Um, in Cincinnati, it's just too much of a log jam in the outfield. Too many good players, you know. Um, he he somebody had to get cut. So yeah. he was, he was out of there. Um, same thing with Dietrich. You didn't talk about, you didn't talk about our, our, our second favorite player on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he also is, is a, maybe not for Pittsburgh, but for a team in that sort of like mm-hmm. mode, you lost some depth. And um, whenever you're in that type of mode and guys like Shebler and Dietrich, those, those guys have definitely made rosters. Like they just, they just need to play. It's the same thing as Pweet. Like if, if you, they can make rosters, just certain rosters are too good. And we need to level out baseball. Yeah, yeah. you just, you're just a, an imbalance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw some other guys that I'm going to move on to the Phillies because the Phillies are one of the, were one of the teams that went out and cut a bunch of guys that, uh, this just makes sense because it's an identical situation with the Reds in the sense that they had a log jam. Uh, the Phillies went out and they invested into their infield. They went all out this past offseason, which is the longest offseason I've ever seen in my life. Um, it, it was interesting because they, and it was a bunch of ex pirates too. Uh, they went out and got Josh Harrison, a Neil Walker, and then they got, and then they went and brought uh, another ex pirate, Francisco Liriano, for their bullpen. And they added uh, Logan Forsythe. And, of course, as you all know, they went out and got their new starting guy out there, uh, Didi Gregorius. But out of all those guys that they signed, the guy, the player that survived those roster cuts was Neil Walker. And not Josh Harrison. On even more surprisingly, Logan Forsythe. I don't understand that. And then Francisco Liriano is even more of a head scratcher because of how successful he was in Pittsburgh last year. He had a 3.64 ERA, um, played well in spring training, a brief amount of it. It just and let's be honest, the Phillies needed that help in the bullpen. Well, well, to me, I like I, I agree with you. The cuts don't make sense, but are the type of cuts they made. But cuts are definitely needed, even with a salary cap 
kind of non-salary cap league that you have in the MLB. I mean, you're already giving a bag to uh, Bryce Harper with with his $400 million plus contract. And you, you go out and spend a bunch of money. Ownership's probably not going to be willing to spend that much money for multiple off seasons. I mean, the cuts make sense. The tight, the players they cut doesn't really, but I get why they cut players. Yeah. I just, I think the, the thing that's really questionable here is I, the war, I think the worst player of the three is the one that was capped. I mean, we, we might've saw, we don't see everything, but like uh, based off past experiences and where they're trending their careers, Neil Walker's definitely the worst of the three. And we, um, he's the guy who made it through. So, I mean, we're not experts here. We, we don't act like we're experts. We're Muncie baseball experts for a reason. Um, we, uh, that's, that's the thing. So I, I just think that Walker probably the worst of the three to make it through. And it just doesn't make sense. I don't, I genuinely, I can understand Josh Harrison maybe, but the one that just, I just don't, I can't, I can't find any way to defend the Phillies cutting Forsyth and, and, and Liriano. It's just, and we talk about Liriano in particular with, with a bad bullpen, with not a great bullpen this past season. I just don't understand. But I, I placed a bet. I placed a bet in our group chat that Liriano is going to go back to the Pirates because holy smokes, does the Pirates bullpen. It's bad. Oh, my Lord. Uh, but, yeah. And the next team that made a flurry of cuts only because they acquired somebody this today. Uh, they went. It was the Mets. Uh, yeah. Uh, they went out and got a new outfielder and in order to create uh, the space needed, uh, they went out and cut uh, Melky Cabrera, who they literally just signed uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. I don't, it wasn't that long ago and just, it was for Juan Lagares. So obviously you want to, you're going to want to get that guy on your starting lineup, but Melky Cabrera has been one of the consistently solid outfielder. I get he's 36, but he has shown no sign of decline. He's hitting close to 300 almost every year. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Beckham, I can de- I can I can defend that. I can understand that, but Melky, I don't know. Like like again, again, we aren't experts. We, we like to point that out before <laughs> predictions, but um. I think a lot of GMs also are experts whenever I look at these <laughs> roster moves. Um, so, uh, so we can definitely disagree here, but you know, I, I definitely think that the G, some GMs just aren't experts as well as us. So as future owners of the potential owners of the Mets, we are not happy with this decision is what I'm getting. No, I, Mets fans, if you're listening, the Diamonds and Dingers gang will make sure that you guys will be successful. We will have good players on our baseball team. We will have good baseball players playing baseball. Yes. Imagine Peter Alonso playing every position, but playing every position the correct way all the time. And even Peter Alonso as a pitcher. We would sign Yasiel Bleak right now. Oh, oh definitely. we, we, we would have signed to. him. Oh, we would have signed him. We would have signed him day one. For those, <laughs> we're giving him the bag. We are. We're gonna go. T- we're gonna time travel 
Go back in time to when he was scouted. <laughs> Scout him, draft him, and then build him up into becoming a mega superstar that makes Mike Trout pale in comparison. Oh, we yeah. are going to have every MO, we're going to have every little league player wanting to lick their bats before they go on to. And <laughs> also, I propose this we give him some ownership stake. And- of course. Oh, yeah. give, him, give him some leeway. If this podcast ever like actually like blew up, like Yasio Pui definitely deserves like a good ten percent of the press. Please come on the show. Come on the show, Yasio. I like, we I think we need to direct message him. We'll get back. Hey, I don't think he'll respond to be honest. Like he's probably too big for any of us. You know, okay. I uh, I don't I I think you're wrong. I think we're too big right now for yeah, Yasio Pui. Yeah, we need he needs us to boost his profile. Hey, we're doing a MLB podcast. He's not playing the MLB. He has nine hundred thousand <laughs> followers on Twitter, by the way. Okay, that's a, that's that's solid. It's not as many as I thought he would have. All right, I think we should probably move on. I'll, yeah, please. I can, list, I can do the list of the opt out players. These are players who opted out of playing baseball this year. It wasn't they weren't cut from the teams. They were they opted out. Um, many for COVID reasons that like they had. It's an it's extemporaneous, big word. Big word. Um, yeah, big words. All right. Um, the people that opted out were Mike Leak, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, Joe Ross, Ian Desmond, David Price, Tyson Ross, Felix Hernandez. I can't believe he's still playing. Nick Markakis, Buster Posey, Michael Kopech, and Jordan Hicks. Um, I think looking at this list, like there's a lot more. We can, there's a good amount of talent on this list. Like Ryan Zimmerman, um, David Price, uh, Posey, and Hicks. Those are some real names. Like, what do you guys think of? Like, what do you guys think of this list? Um, I'm, I mean, to me, I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm honestly not surprised. I knew, especially in other sports, we've seen people opt out, but especially in the MLB, there's no bubble involved. You're going from city to city. It's not as kind of i would say safe to play in mlb so these the most likely these players have families that they think of and i'm not really surprised that most of these players opted out yeah you hit the nail on the head there sam um if we if we took a graph and we graphed these guys out based on their demographics you're gonna see almost all these guys are well into their 30s at this point they have family uh they have they have a child and some of these people have uh I have wives like Ian Desmond that are currently pregnant. So obviously you're not going to want to put their uh, health at risk and you're not going to want to put your child's health at risk. So that makes sense. The obvious exception is Michael Kopech as he's a younger player, but I will bring up that Ian Desmond is an interesting player because he brought up a little bit of an interesting dynamic. He is not only sitting out because of COVID, but he is also sitting out because of, the current discussion about racial disparity, which is a very interesting concept because we haven't seen too many MLB players make that kind of stand. Yeah. I guess on any, anything social, any social issues. Yeah. Um, I get to the, I'll, I'll get to uh, a developing thing from this week as we saw a couple of team protests along with Desmond opting out. Uh, we saw um, protests um, in Cincinnati and San Francisco, especially. Um, I think this topic's probably going to keep popping up for the rest of this year in all sports. But I want to like basically talk about how this is going to be handled in baseball. Um, do you guys think this is going to be good for the sport and for the future, or 
do you guys think there's probably not going to be much of an impact and why? I'll let you go first, Dimitri. Um, listen, anytime you have your athletes speak up against anything, any social issues, that's going to be a good thing. Uh, especially in Major League Baseball, where they have been notorious at trying to get players to basically, quote, shut up and play. Uh, and that has actively tried to stifle any personality or uniqueness to each player. So for for baseball players in particular, it is a big deal. It is a huge deal for players to make a so make a social statement, regardless whether or not you agree with it. That is not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that you're actually having players that have the freedom to make have a voice. Yeah. And I, I think it depends how you define impact. I think it'll be, I think it's one thing to, uh, for us to have a discussion about the impact it's going to make and the level to an impact. Yes. These players might protest. And I, in my opinion, that's a great thing, but in my opinion, I don't know how much of an impact that it's going to be do, like doing, to be honest, like you're going to be, uh, you're going to be, promoting some good issues that we should continue the conversation. But what type of impact are we looking forward into? Are we looking into laws being changed? What's, what's the goal with these protests and is it going to follow through if you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, this is in my opinion. I, baseball has always been a, of the of baseball, basketball and football. They've always been the third wheel in this situation. Like basketball's, clearly been out on the front of this like players have been speaking up for a long time and it's just ramping up now football players actively are trying to send out their message but they're always meet um they're really stifled whenever they speak their message and baseball the players are pretty apathetic towards it and the owners are very against it and, mm-hmm. and like what we've seen and i think when baseball players speak up that means that means something baseball mm-hmm. is a sport um, the black, um, the number of black players in baseball has went down rather than up in the last uh, 50 years. Um, we've seen a, we've seen a sport, uh, uh, the number of white participations about the same. It's been the same for, um, uh, ever since integration. And we're just looking at these, we're looking at these teams and you gotta say that the fan bases, like the fan bases and players don't match up all the time. And it really like will stoke a divide. I don't know if one MLB player sitting out and some MLB players kneeling for the anthem is going to change any laws, but it definitely can change some minds going forward. And and at least what we know is um, your racist uncle is not going to watch MLB this year because <laughs> you know, uh, they're not respecting the flag. So it's well, okay. well to to your point that your racist uncle is not going to watch. Then he's not going to watch any sport. Like I was watching the NBA scrimmages, for example, and on the court, they had Black Lives Matter. So I think it's going to be tough for anybody who doesn't like these protests to watch any sport for that matter. Yeah, it's a sweet it's it's uh, we've reached a point that we've actually seen a movement. And you to sum it up perfectly. Yes, uh, obviously, you're going to have change mindsets, like you said. And lastly, you're going to have uh, sweeping uh, change, I think, uh, because let's be honest, professional athletes have a lot of have a lot of say 
in the hearts and minds of people in, in the country because they're considered they're considered in the United States they're basically the equivalent of celebrities and they are looked up to. So yes, I think that we will see we may not see the change that we are so straightforward and obvious, mm-hmm. but we will see a difference. Yeah. I, I think to your guys' point, we will definitely see a difference and conversations will continue as these protests happen. I'm just I'm just wondering how much of an impact it's going to be. Yes, we can change minds and we can continue to have conversations, but what's what's kind of the I don't know the word for it, just like what what comes out of that impact? Is it gonna be something solid or is it just gonna be continue to have conversations? That's that's my thing. Speaking for baseball, I'm trying trying to keep this as apolitical as possible. Yeah. It's hard because it, like yeah. politics is everywhere, and it's going to be in sports. You can't just wish it away. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking for baseball, um, we have a real problem with younger folks, um, and younger folks gen- generally lean towards supporting like Black Lives Matter and and every sort of like social group, like just more of a social group movement. And just thinking from an economic perspective for baseball going forward, embracing something like this could definitely lead to like continuing the growth of the sport. And and to get to your exact point, Mm -hmm. the end game is pretty like it is pretty blurry because like um, to be honest, like the Black Lives Matter group, like the end game is pretty blurry for what they want to go down. It's not specifically like a group of people who are up there like making all of the decisions. It's just. It's more of a movement of people mm-hmm. and it's going to impact in a lot of ways. There'll be legislation. We're going to change. There has to be changes of minds. Like there has to be some conversations during your baseball game. And I think players can play a small role in that, but they can get a lot of publicity for it. And that's why it's, I think it's a good thing going forward for baseball for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And I'm, I hate to change the subject now, but <laughs> we, we got to move it along. Yeah. Uh, um, we have a lot of MLB players contract the coronavirus. And here are the most recent ones that I, I mentioned because these guys are the ones that uh, are going to affect the start of the season. You have Austin Meadows, who has just contracted the, the uh, COVID-19. You have Gregory Perlanco and Hunter Dozier, and who just got it uh, not too long ago. And the reason why this matters is because all these guys are, are leading up to opening day. And since it's, it's so close to opening day, that means they're going to have to go onto the 10 day disabled list or injured list. Um, and that hurts. That hurts a lot of these teams because uh, I feel like the Rays could be fine because they're a good team. But the the Pirates, Gregory Polanco is going to be their best outfielder now that Marte is gone. Uh, they need Polanco in as much as possible. And the same issue goes to uh, Kansas City Royals. Hunter Dozier is one of the guys that was a day-to-day starter. So this is where Corona has a big intact. And this is why Corona is such a big deal. Because now it's, an, it's almost an instantaneous 10-day DL. Or IL now. Yeah, um, COVID. This is this is a reality. Um, baseball this year, we're going to deal with COVID. We're going to deal with COVID transmissions. Just depends 
if this like starts to snowball and these guys start getting other players involved, like this, this might not go well. And I'm trying to, trying to like, you have to talk about it. We don't want it to happen, of course, but um, we just gotta, we gotta find the players where they're at and make sure like we can test, make sure testing's up to standards. But these things might happen throughout the year, and uh, teams with deep rosters are going to be able to adjust to it. Teams without deep rosters are going to suffer. Uh, we're kind of we don't want any cases, but at least the case numbers have been lower than expected so far. Mm-hmm. But they haven't done any travel yet, so we need to get over that hurdle. Yeah, I I echo that or Seth's point. Like we knew going into the season that COVID and players testing positive was a reality and that's what we're gonna face whether it's now we're probably gonna see some unfortunately more names pop up and dimitri or said do you know if there's like a protocol for players to return like they have to have a negative test or something like that um i don't know if exactly is that the nba like rules but i know they need like two i think it's two negative tests and they have to quarantine for a week or two like between that so it's gonna be it's gonna be a long time that's okay. yeah that's why it's uh it, you already know that once they test positive um now that it's the season starts it's an instant te- it's pretty much an instant 10 days because of the il so you're so you're looking at 10 days plus uh maybe they might add an extra four days for to get through that you know two week incubation period in quarantine um but i'm going to tell you what's wrong what's concerning about coronavirus and you, you touched on it is the fact that we have yet to play a single game and we have this many i'm going to flip this word script we have this many people we haven't even played a single game yet and we've had this many infections that's why there's a problem we have not played a single mlb season opening game opening day has not occurred and we have that many cases and um, it's not like the NBA where the NBA is in the bubble and they have no cases. And even if, and like everybody's kind of spread out in baseball, you're going to be traveling. It's going to be, it's going to be an issue. Like I, I really hope it doesn't snowball. Um, but when you look at it from this perspective, it might snowball into like some bad, like we might see some half of half of a roster getting COVID like at this rate. So we're going to, we just need to hope, just hope people are wearing their masks around MLB players. A lot of it, a lot of this is up for like we're basically just praying um, that these guys can make it through sixty games. Because we don't want anybody to die. We don't want anybody to have any like lasting impacts. We don't know exactly what this virus is about yet. Like we have, we kind of have a feeling, but like we, like this virus might not like hit the the MLB players that hard. But you never know, and it's just not a good look. To before the season, we got these three names, and there's been others. They just haven't been named, and it's just not a good look for baseball. If, if you want to, if you don't think that uh, the, the COVID 19 does damage or causes an, a big effect on an MLB player, uh, just take just take a quick look at Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Uh, then you will see why. This is such an issue, and and this enrages me. This is this this gives me so much anger directed towards the MLB uh, front office because we mention this constantly. They had so many, so they had months to make a plan 
to have some, and now it feels like, uh oh, we're, we're rush. It feels like it's a rush. Uh oh, let's get these guys on the field without coming up with a clear plan, which is unacceptable considering you had s- numerous months to come whip up with a game plan. So, so uh, I'll, I'll touch on that note later. But I mean, I think this is going to be more of an issue when you look at the later seasons. Like when you're, if let's say the Dodgers are in a playoff push, and it's not going to be a great look if let's say Mookie Betts. Unfortunately, I'm not hoping he does, but gets it. It's going to hurt the Dodgers. It's going to shake up the playoffs. It's going to people are going to put an asterisk on it. And then what you mentioned, how they have time. I mean, look at other sports, college football, college athletics don't know what they're doing. All these organizations don't have a clue what they're doing. They've had several months to do it, and it's just ridiculous to see kind of the lack of concern they have. Yeah, the MLB spent months arguing about they wanted to not pay their players before they would give their players any um, any like testing, give them like, any safety protocols, and they sat there for months arguing about money and they didn't, they, they didn't put much thought into these safety protocols. Just like, if you want to look at the difference, read the MLB safety protocols, which are five pages long versus the NBA's protocols, which were 123 pages that can tell you how much thought was put into the MLB's plan to come back. And if you just compare it to another league, it's just, uh, it's just an unacceptable situation. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to uh, face the consequences and are after going to, are after going to step up and they're going to be finger pointing. There's going to be finger pointing. That's for sure. And yeah, I think the listeners know how much we feel <laughs> about, about all that because we've talked about it in the past. The Rob uh, Manfred roast, the Rob Manfred roast <laughs> and the notorious podcast. Best episode. Best episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, I actually didn't even put it in as as an episode. I put it in as a as a bonus content for our anchor listeners. So, uh, yeah, and we're going to talk about opening day because I feel like the listeners here are like enough of this COVID thing. It's just let's just we because we know that tomorrow is the big day where it might be the first and only day you might get to see a full starting lineup uh, <laughs> on any team. Um, we have two matches tomorrow night. The first one is at seven oh seven, and it is again it is the Yankees and the defending World Series champions, the Washington Nationals. Who's on the bump? Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer. And wow, you talk about an explosive return to baseball. You have you have the evil empire going up against uh, a World Series champ. You can't you can't write a, a much better script than that. Yeah, I think the Nationals have a very high approval rating among baseball fans. Like coming out of beating the Astros, winning the World Series, uh, I think the Nationals should be like should they should be favorites again this year, and so are the Yankees. Um, looking, it's, it's hard to make just a one game prediction. Like we can't we can't really predict too much into it. We're not experts. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to we like to make sure that's drilled home. Uh, but looking at looking ahead uh, to this game, Scherzer, it's basically who's going to pitch better between Scherzer and Cole? Like they're both two of the best pitchers in baseball. Whoever throws a better game is probably the team that's going to win. But I th- I think what should they should have put the Astros on opening night? Do you like 
you have obviously your high ratings and MLB is probably going to be opening night, one of the highest nights in ratings. And you're going to have kind of the most contentious MLB teams on opening night. Why would you not include them on opening night? I would like to see them lose. I would like to see people on social media just going off on them. I think the Astros should have been included. <laughs> yeah, I could. I, I would. I would like to see the the. Well, the Astros have had <laughs> about a rough few exhibition games. I'll just say that um, from tripping to getting hit in the face, it's been a mess for those guys, and maybe arguably well deserved. But who knows? I won't make that statement. Here, the issue is I have with the Yankees is, and I want to see is how well they do with the rotation. Because they have multiple guys, and actually, I'll take I'll just say the pitching staff in general. Because obviously, this season they're not going to have Severino, and this and that for a while they won't have Ardolis Chapman either. They're they're a flame throwing closer. So if if you're Washington and you want to get some games against, in my opinion, uh, the the best team in baseball right now, I will make that statement. Yes, even, As an even better. As an expert, a Muncie expert. So therefore, by Muncie standards, I'm an expert. Um, I'm self-appointed. Um, I, I think this is the time to strike if if you if you're the Nationals because they also don't have DJ Lemayhew. But the issue is, holy cow, is the Yankees? They have so much depth. Yeah. Because their bench guys could be starters pretty much anywhere else, and. This is going to be a slugfest, in my opinion. I think whoever squeaks out two or three runs may win the game. Because I think, I feel like Scherzer is going to be sharp. And Garrett Cole, we obviously know, is going to be elite. I don't, I, the only time I know that Cole wasn't in just elite numbers was when he was with the Pirates. Um, of course. Um, there's a lot of pirates that are moving on in this episode. That's that's been a big. I think it's been a big key. Moving on to bigger, bigger and better places. Dimitri, uh, does that mean you're moving on to bigger and better things? Move on, move on to the Yankees. Join them. Join I'm them. Not, join the evil empire. Join them. Brian Cashman is Darth Vader. Yeah. Um. But <laughs> oh, look at, just looking at the Yankees, they won a hundred games, a hundred or more games last year, and they didn't even. Like their starters didn't play half the year. Like it's, it's it's like embar it's embarrassing. They their bench players would probably win ninety games by themselves, and just they added Garrett Cole. They have probably like he was the best pitcher in baseball last year. He's definitely going to add some. He's going to add like a dynamite starter. They didn't have the dynamite starter last year, but games like this, the opening day games, and then like the World Series, hopefully for them. They want to be pitching pole three, four times. Like, that's what they want. And I think this is going to be step one. See if he's still at the level he was. Yeah, I think that um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun matchup. I'll say that um, uh, one key injury to, to mention for the nationals is Victor Robles, who will not be uh, uh, playing the series. And he's a key outfielder for that team. Uh, and and ironically, the Pirates were considering trading for him, trading away a franchise player for him a long time ago. Um, and it kind of haunts me that we didn't, but oh, that's that's not about me right now. Um, uh, but yes, I think I think that this is going to be a fun test to see how good the Yankees' rotation is. 
how good their bullpen is. And I think that I think we should do predictions. So Sam, if you want to give us, if you want to do the score, you can. But tell us who you think is going to win. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So I'm not much of a baseball fan, and I like to shake things up. So I'm gonna go. First of all, my bold prediction of this game, it's going to go into the new overtime rules where they have the guy on second. And just uh, I'm just off a hunch, no facts behind it, just because I'm going to go with the Dodgers winning. It's the Yankees and Nationals. Oh, I thought we were doing the Dodgers. No, 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 no. We're doing Yankees and Nationals. Oh, okay. Then I'll go, I'll go Yankees win that one. I, um, I'll go with uh, Nationals. Uh, Four to two. Um, yeah. Scherzer outduels Cole. You you know, I cannot believe I'm in the minority here. I cannot believe I'm in the minority here. I'm picking the Yankees. I don't understand. I can't I can't go against the evil empire. I can't do it. I, I can't love, I love the nationals, man. Like that would be my team if I didn't have the Reds. They're just a lovely yeah. also mention worth mentioning, there is no Ryan Zimmerman this year. So, uh, yeah, that's going to add some extra pressure. And a guy to keep your eye out for today is a guy who has been completely untested for the Nationals. He's going to be thrust into into the opening day lineup is Carter Kaiboom, who is fresh out of their farm system. So we'll see if Kaiboom is worth the top 10 prospect status and well, if whether or not he's a cornerstone player. Will he bring the boom? Yes. Kai Boom brings a boom. <laughs> Why does that remind me of the movie Here Comes the Boom? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, we should yeah. probably move on to the Dodgers Second. Nationals. Yeah, so we, we, we have a sec- not as fun of a matchup, uh, but it's more fun in the sense of its historical context. We have the San Francisco Giants versus the Los Angeles Dodgers, two teams that absolutely hate each other. They're the they're the National League version of the Yankees versus Red Sox. It, this ugly every year. Um, unfortunately, the teams on the field does not match the quality of the rivalry. Oh yeah. Um, we mean, talked about we talked about the Dodgers earlier. The Dodgers are the wealthiest team in baseball. They showed it again today. Um, they they're throwing out uh, Clayton Kershaw, one of the most like well respected pitchers. But you know. He is he is facing off against Cueto. We don't really know exactly how Cueto is going to be this year. But just looking at this, like definitely the Dodgers should win, which is why I'm picking the Giants to win in, in extra innings. We're going to the extras. We're going to have the runner on second base. I'm going to go just for you, Seth, since I know Johnny Cueto used to play for the Reds game. I went to one of his games. I'm going to go with the Giants to win. Yes. <laughs> you guys are nuts. <laughs> you guys are you guys are crazy. I, give me the Giants. Oh, okay. I, now I will explain why you guys are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for explaining our opinions. Hey, hey, we're not experts. Yeah, hey. I'm not an expert by any means. I'm just. I will appoint myself as the expert, even though I don't know anything. But here's why: Giants are historically bad against Kershaw. The Giants are using Johnny Cueto, who can't pitch hardly five games a year. Not even that. 
Um, so we have no idea whether or not he can even get to 90 miles per hour on his fast. But you said he can't play five games. This is the first this game. This is one. This is one. Yeah, but I'm saying that he, we have no idea whether or not he's good or not, or if he has anything left in his tank. I mean, and and they have they have all uh, they have all kinds of injuries. They have, they don't even have their starting catcher around this season because Buster Posey opted out. But they don't have Hunter Pence, Trevor Cahill, Brandon Belt. It, it's just I don't understand. That's just a lot of starters. These are uh, all the reasons to pick them. Yes, and Mookie Betts is going to be counting his cash during the middle of the yeah, game. He's not yeah, going to be worrying about there, it. You're sitting there just like counting. Oh, I get another hundred. Okay. Oh, this minute that cost me two. That gave me two hundred bucks. Yeah, that, that's what they're. That's what it's going to be like. Um, that's why the Giants. The Giants are hardworking, scrappy. Um, they're under out there. I couldn't name you as starting infielder actually on the team, to be honest. Or an outfielder at this point. Yeah. Other than Hunter Pence. Yeah. But who is not playing? Uh, see, I guess I'm the only guy with logic on this podcast remaining. You don't need logic when betting. That's the the predictions I, are the Dodgers. Are, I th- my prediction is the Dodgers are gonna are gonna blow the Giants out of the water. They're just gonna they're just gonna just dominate Cueto. I don't think Cueto's gonna even make it four innings. Um, it's gonna be a this is gonna be a long night for San Francisco. So that's my prediction, and yeah. And you have you guys have your own wrong opinion, but <laughs> I mean it's one game. Baseball baseball inherently is meant for large sample sizes. And I think having uh, the Giants win opening night would be a good it'd be a good like um taste of what we could come to see with a bunch of whether like sixty games out of hundred and sixty two, we could see more outliers like this. So that's that's like the overall, like that's my overall theme for this year is outliers. So that's why I'm going with the Giants opening night, even though there's no logical reason to, yeah. except for baseball is weird. And yeah, weird. I'm not, I'm not having any logic behind it. Why not just have fun with predictions? I'm, I'm sticking with the Giants. Be a believer. Trust the process. You know, Giants in the World Series. You know, like, <laughs> I'm talking myself into it. And next week they'll sign Yasiel Puig. Yes. Actually, that's not too far-fetched because he was linked to them. Yeah. All so, right. yeah, well, thank you guys so much for the show. I think I think we got the most viewers and listeners that this might be a record. Um, but, yes, we will. I think that I think the general consensus is StreamYard pretty good. Uh, I think we have a I think we have our solution. And so those of you guys. So are you are we are you not posting on Anchor? Or? So here, yeah, I was just about to say, Streamyard gives me the option to after I'm end a broadcast, I can uh, save the audio. So I'm going to save the audio, and at some point, if those of you who obviously might have missed this episode on live, we'll have a source to go back to, on top of having this recorded. Uh, for eternity on our page um so if you missed it you can come back to our facebook page at a later date and you can also check out the podcast and podcast form that will be late because let's be honest it is nine o'clock i don't feel like sitting here editing this right now so at some point tomorrow it's going to show up why are you editing it release it it. i didn't hear any cuss words 
No, it's not. I'm going to make sure it's clean and I have an intro and outro that I add. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and Anchor. And yeah, we will drop an episode tomorrow at some point. So stay tuned for that. As always, give us a follow on Twitter at Diamonds Dingers and give us a like on Facebook. Obviously, you like us on Facebook if you are watching this right now. But if you're listening to it on podcast form, always give us a listen. Share uh, share it. I I want all the friends to hear us. Like, just share it. Like, Um, if you are on a a Zoom conference with your boss, drop the link. Drop the link. I I want you to drop the link everywhere. Like, that's we we want to own the Mets. We need the show to go global. If you have a wedding, you're listening to the Diamonds and Dingers podcast. Yes. If if you're, I don't care where you're at, you're listening to the Diamonds and Dingers podcast, and you're going to share it. It's it's not an option. I mean, we're Muncie's finest analysts. That's what you have to do. Yes. So yeah. Well, thanks again, guys, for listening, and thank you to my co-hosts, Sam Thillman and Seth Rawlings. We will be back at some point. Who knows when? We just kind of materialize out of thin air. Um, Have a great evening and enjoy your opening day because it's going to happen. All right. So long, everybody.